0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. What does the Holy Spirit do? We're in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And today we're going to address the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We'll read some verses from John, chapter 14, and then we'll also read some verses from John, chapter 16. So John, chapter 14, and John, chapter 16. John, chapter 14, and John, chapter 16. From John, chapter 14, we'll begin reading with verse 15 and read... Through verse 26, John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then John chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because the people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Back in 2004, ABC News decided to run a contest in which they hoped to discover the busiest person in the world. It was a contest to determine and identify who was the busiest person in the world. And so they, they promoted and advertised this contest. They had hundreds of thousands of entries. Some folks entered their own names into the contest. Others entered the names of people they knew. Hundreds of thousands of entries. And in the end, they selected a mother a specific mother. Her name was Shelly Smith. She lived in Mount Zion, Illinois. She was a mother of three. She was married, and she was chosen as the world's busiest person. She was 36 years old. She began every day at 3 a.m. getting ready for her first job, loading boxes and moving boxes and storing boxes for the United Parcel Service where she worked for nearly 17 years. She would go to work. She finished her UPS job every morning at 6.45 a.m., and then she returned home just in time to get her children, Melissa, age 15, Blake, age 14, and Matt, age 9, ready for school, and she took them to school. Then she came back home, and she had a quick outfit change from the coveralls and work boots that she used in her UPS job to a suit and heels that she used for her second job as an insurance agent, which she arrived at at nine thirty a.m. and then she would get off at five p.m. and she would come back by the school to pick up her kids, and then she would go home and she would do laundry and and cook uh, dinner. Her husband also worked long hours. Are you surprised that a mother would be selected as the busiest person in the world? I wouldn't think that you would. I see a lot of guys nodding their heads. No smart man would deny that it would be a mother who would be the busiest person in the world. And So don't get after me when I say that I don't believe it. Uh, nothing against mothers. And mind you, I'll guarantee you, mothers are very, very busy people. But I believe that the busiest person in the world is a title that should go to the Holy Spirit. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, when you look at Scripture and then when you experience him in your personal life, you realize this is one busy Individual last week, we started this series on the Holy Spirit and, and we answered the question, "Who is the Holy Spirit?" and we gave uh, a number of answers. I think the most important of those three answers is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a ghost, not a thing, but a person with real personal characteristics and abilities. The Holy Spirit is a friend. Jesus, even in this passage, says that that the Holy Spirit will come beside us, and he is our advocate. I love the word advocate. King James calls him comforter. I like that word too, but I like advocate better. An advocate is someone who is with you, protecting you, affirming you, encouraging you, supporting you, correcting you on your side. I'll tell you, you and I both know that the people in our lives who fit that description are people that we can never be thankful enough for. The Holy Spirit is a friend. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit is God. When Ananias and Sapphira came before the leaders of the church in Acts chapter 5 and they had sold a piece of real estate and made out like they were bringing the entire proceeds of that sale to the church, when in reality they were not bringing the whole proceeds of that sale to the church they were holding some back they were lying to everybody but they didn't think anybody would catch them. Ananias came to present his gift to the church and Peter said Ananias why have you allowed Satan to cause you to lie to the Holy Spirit he says and then a couple of sentences further he says you have not lied to human beings you have lied to God basically equating the Holy Spirit with God and we know that this one God we worship reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons who are yet inseparable and each one of those persons is 100% God including the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. That's something we uh, just have to accept by faith because it's clearly taught in Scripture and yet we can't explain it in human terms. It's absolutely impossible. So we know who the Holy Spirit is, but the, the, the question we want to address this morning is, what does the Holy Spirit do? Now before we dive into that question, let's, let's ask a, a uh, similar question. What's the Holy Spirit done? What has He done throughout history? That could be a whole series in and of itself, but let me just, let me just point out uh, three things that the Holy Spirit did in Scripture that we need to remember. First of all, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. You see, in the Old Testament, the person of the Godhead that we see more than any other is God the Father. But God the Spirit and God the Son are also there. But the one we see the most of in the Old Testament is God the Father. In the Gospel era, the one we, we see the most is God the Son, Jesus. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead and then ascended back to the Father, the person of the Godhead with whom we are most encountered is the Holy Spirit. In fact, if if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have an ongoing relationship with Jesus, then the person of the Godhead that you are most familiar with, even though you may not realize you're most familiar with Him, is the Holy Spirit because He is how we will experience God in our day. But the Holy Spirit did not just appear at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He didn't just come on the stage then. In fact, the Bible shows us that in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us, "...in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth." The earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit had a part in the creation of everything that is. Second, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit empowered and enabled Old Testament heroes. In Exodus chapter 31, God informed Moses that he had filled certain people with the Holy Spirit for the purpose... That they may have certain skills and understanding. In Exodus 31 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skill, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Exodus chapter 31. In the book of Judges, we find that many of the uh, clan leaders, the regional leaders in the book of Judges were, were men and women on whom the Holy Spirit would descend, and he would anoint them to do some great feat, the most Familiar of those judges upon whom the Holy Spirit would work was the strong man Samson. In Judges 14 verse 5 says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. And as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. The Holy Spirit came upon people, anointing them, enabling them, energizing them. But also in the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, we find that the Holy Spirit moved upon the writers of Scripture, enabling them to write what God wanted to communicate. In 2 Peter, in the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we're told that the Holy Spirit influenced the writers of Scripture. Peter says, above all... You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been busy ever since... Uh, Even before creation, the Holy Spirit has always been here, everlastingly alive in the past and everlastingly alive in the future. And that entire time, he has not slept. He's been busy. He's the busiest person in the universe. So we get a glimpse of what, of who the Holy Spirit is, what he is, what he's done in ancient times. But let's bring it to today. What has the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do in your life? what does he do So that's what I want to focus on for the next few minutes. First of all, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. God has given all of us some sort of conscience. It's part of that being made in the image of God. I believe that when the when the Bible talks about us being made in the image of God, there are certain godlike qualities that that God has incorporated into every single human being. Some of us listen to them better than others. Some don't listen to them at all. But it's a little bit of God. But when you are confronted with the message of Christ and you're confronted with this holy God in contrast to an unholy you and me, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of the sinfulness that is You and me. And it is only when we realize we have a sin problem that we'll also acknowledge that we need something else. John chapter 15 verses 8 through 11 teach us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin to conform us to Jesus likeness. And as we lean more on the Holy Spirit, sin becomes more apparent in our lives. And this allows us to repent and to seek change in Christ so that we can become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I uh, saw a Facebook post this week. Uh, I won't mention the the prominent television minister that the Facebook post was about, but but, uh, a friend of mine put a post about this particular television preacher talking about how wonderful this, this man is, and he is a wonderful person, and talking about how uplifting his messages were. And someone, another friend of my friend, posted saying, saying, yes, he is truly, this, this minister is truly a great man of God. And because he doesn't talk about sin, he said, I can't, I can't tolerate all these preachers talking about sin. And he doesn't talk about sin. And I thought, well, I can understand that. None of us really like to hear about sin, especially if it's our own sin. But let me tell you, uh, and I'd love to never have to mention sin. I swear I would. But if I don't say something about sin, and if I don't say something about my sin and your sin. I have done you a huge disservice and you ought to fire me. Because sin is part of the gospel message. We can't realize how good the good news is until we realize how bad our sin is. And if in order for us to realize how bad our sin is, somebody's got to bring it to our attention. The Holy Spirit does that and we must do that. Second, the Holy Spirit teaches us. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14 and also in Romans chapter 8 and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit works through Scripture and people to change our hearts. When we struggle with the passage of the Bible, the Holy Spirit teaches us what it means and how it can be applied in our lives. And oftentimes the, the teaching that comes through people, sometimes through a Sunday school teacher, Bible study teacher, small group teacher, the comments of a friend, the, the sermons of a minister, they, they, uh, they affirm and they point to Jesus Christ. They teach us. You won't have a better teacher than the Holy Spirit. Third, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Bible says in chapter 16 of John, Jesus said, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. This is a good test, by the way, and and I'll deal with this in a later sermon A lot of people wonder, how do I know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? That's a very good question. It may be the most important question in this whole series. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Because I've heard some people come up to me and tell me the Holy Spirit said some things to them. And and I walk away thinking, I don't believe the Holy Spirit's been within 100 yards of you. (laughs) Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. If he is really the Holy Spirit telling you whatever, whatever that is will glorify Jesus. He will always lift up Jesus. He will always praise Jesus and point you closer to Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. Number four, the Holy Spirit knows us in our weakness. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I don't know how everybody is. Uh, You know, everybody in this room has weaknesses. And if you're like most people, you don't really want other people to know what your weaknesses might be. There are one or two that you don't mind. But there are probably one or two that you just assume nobody knows. Now, God knows them. And uh, occasionally, if you're like me, I'll be talking with God and say, God, I just appreciate if you just keep this between you and me. You know what I'm saying? Our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit knows our weaknesses. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit not only knows our weaknesses, but he helps us in our weaknesses. Remember, he's our friend. He's not going to do anything to hurt you. He's not going to do anything to, uh, to dishonor you. He knows your weakness, and so it's not his role, the Holy Spirit's role, to expose your weakness so much as it is to help you and me in our weakness. That's a friend. That's the kind of person you want to know what your weaknesses are. He intercedes when we're focused on glorifying Christ and loving his people. If we don't know what to do, he helps us in our weakness. Number five, the Holy Spirit prays for us. What's the what's the best thing you can do for somebody you care about? Pray for them. Pray for them. You 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 are you and I are never more effective than when we are talking to the creator of the universe on behalf of the person we know and love who's hurting. And here we find that the Holy Spirit who knows more about us than we know about ourselves, who knows us in our weakness and who's, who lives both to glorify Jesus and then to help us in our hurts. This Holy Spirit prays for us. In Romans, again, chapter 8, verse 26, Paul says that when we do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been there? In such a state that you don't know what to pray for, can't pray cannot muster up a single word. I mean, have you ever been in one of those dark places where the Our Father part of the Lord's Prayer didn't come out right? The Bible says in those times, the Holy Spirit realizes our inability to pray and He starts praying for us with God the Father, interceding with God the Father in the name of Jesus the Son with words that cannot be uttered. Man, that's a friend. He prays for us. And then six and finally, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus' purpose for us. He gives us gifts. He helps us to use those gifts. He helps us to understand the will of God for our lives. He helps us with the finer details of the purpose of our lives. I really do believe that God led Ricky Walker to Aaron Exner. I really believe that God led Big Bad John Hamlet to Annie. I don't know why in the world he did, but Lord, he did. I believe God leads people to other people. I believe God leads pastors to churches. I believe that God leads churches to uh, deacon candidates. I believe that God leads Sunday school classes and Bible study classes to facilitators and teachers. I believe that God leads people. And especially when life has tumbled in on top of us, God is there in the presence of His Holy Spirit to, to show us that life is not over. Satan has not won. You see, the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, if if there's been a time in your life when you invited Christ into your life to be your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're not a Christian, let me say this, I I can say it with all the authority of the Scripture, the Holy Spirit longs more than anything to live in you. He longs to bring the presence of Jesus into your life. But for the most of us in this congregation who already know Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us, but He wants even more than that. He wants more than just to live in us. He wants to have dominion in every room of your life. And this is a lifelong struggle. It shouldn't be, but it is because we don't like giving up control of anything, not a one of us. And yet, the Christian life to be lived effectively requires constant giving in and giving up to the Holy Spirit in every nook and cranny of your life. And why shouldn't we? give up our lives to him. He has all the power to do whatever needs to be done to ensure the best life for us. He is the greatest friend we will ever, ever have. We will never have a friend who equals him. And he helps us to glorify the one who gives us purpose anyway. The Holy Spirit is the busiest person on earth. And you know what? If all he had to do was work exclusively for you and nobody else, I mean just for Michelle McDaniel or just for, uh, just for Jeff Cannon or just for Joan Cordell, he'd still be... The busiest person on the planet. Does he have control of your life? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said the greatest gift God ever gave us was the Holy Spirit. Lord, that's got to be true. Because the Holy Spirit is the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd help us to focus on your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, you know the hearts of people. I don't know them. You know whether or not there's someone here in this building who has never invited you to be their Savior and Lord. You know if there are lost people here. Your Holy Spirit is already dealing with those people if they are here. And I pray that they would come. Step out from where they are in this invitation and come to the front and say, I just want Jesus in my life. Lord, for others who already know you, have already received you into their hearts. Lord, I know how we are. I know how I am. Invited you into my life when I was eight years old. But ever since then, there's been this constant struggle. You want to be in every room of my life and I'm kind of wanting to restrict you to certain rooms. (laughs) But Lord, it's time for us to give all of our lives to you. And I pray that someone's life, a Christian's life, would be changed right here today. By giving the Holy Spirit full freedom, full freedom dominion in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.